0: Put on your pajamas, maybe your robe. Sneak down into the parlor, break out the popcorn. Sit on your easy chair. Make sure that all your snacks are within reaching distance to the right, to the left, and TV tray in front of you. Take the lights down a bit. Wax up your earballs. For we talk games, we talk games movies. Go!
1: I must ask each of you now to assume the position and recite the Insomniac Oath. Repeat after Mr. Lobo. I, as an initiated member of the Sleepless Nights of Insomnia and a dedicated listener to We Talk Games, do solemnly swear to watch the We Talk Game's We Talk Game's Movie Podcast, the whole We Talk Game's We Talk Game's Movie Podcast And nothing but the We Talk Games, We Talk Games movie podcast. So help me, Mr. Lobo. You may stand up.
0: Can you believe it? It's Mr. Lobo and Wiggly coming to you right here live. See, Internet? Mr. Lobo and I really do like each other. We're
1: a couple of regular dudes having a good time.
0: Indeed. And I wanted you on a show for a good time. And then I screwed that up. (laughs) Because this is a little out of your horror host forte, I wanted to do Trilogy of Terror because then we could do like six shows because we were going to do Trilogy of Terror uh, movie review and then review the video game, I think Trio the Punch, which is actually just one video game, but it has Trio in that thing. Then we could have done six episodes in one episode.
1: It sounds like fun on paper. I'm not quite the video game head that you guys are.
0: Exactly. You are just the perfect person to make our 45-minute show into a three-minute soliloquy. Which is absolutely <laughs> well, perfect.
1: A Halloween Spooktacular, you know, I really, I have to study up on those games. Normally they would not come on Mr. Lobo's radar. You guys <laughs> pretty much inform me on what's the skinny with all of
0: those games. Those are all the popular games with the kids. (laughs) All right, Mr. Lobo. Well, here's what happened instead. I thought, oh, okay. Well, then we'll go into the video games, the entire video game genre of the the movie.
1: The vast genre of video game movies. The vastness (laughs) of the genre. There are so many, like uh, Tron. And then, of course, there's The Last Starfighter. Yes. Uh, and then there's Tron.
0: <laughs> Most people bring up Wizard.
1: Oh, yes, Wizard, yes. And then there was a, uh, uh, yes, Wizard, which is terrible. Oh,
0: Charlie!
1: Hold on, hold on. Okay. Super Mario Brothers.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Another ironclad, solid gold winner.
0: But Mojo Nixon.
1: Yes. So, you know, the people who made the Super Mario Brothers movie, the husband and wife team that created the Max Headroom television program.
0: Oh, oh TV program, the one where he gets his head chopped off and that's why it's called Max Headroom.
1: And if you watch the uh, well they think they created the character too. If you watch Super Mario Brothers with the idea that it's a sort of a sideways parallel to twenty minutes into the future it makes a lot more sense
0: uh-huh. as
1: a Max Headroom spin-off than it does as a video game movie.
0: Yes. There's also Double Dragon, which I walked out on.
1: Mortal Kombat.
0: Mortal Kombat, that's a whole series that people for some reason enjoy. For some reason. Yes.
1: Tomb Raider movies. So yeah, I guess it is a somewhat vast genre. All the Yui e. Bowl films, all those really wonderful Yui e.
0: Bowl movies. Hitman that had a sequel, Hitman and Hitman 2, was a video right. game. Max Payne, where he doesn't do bullet time slowdown, never does it in there.
1: I always wonder if uh, a lot of the directors who direct these video game movies resent the fact that they're doing a video game movie, and so therefore do not research the game in any way, shape, or form when they're directing the film about the video game.
0: Well, you might not know this but LucasArts closed the doors. They no longer make video games. And first George Lucas killed Pinball because when Pinball was trying to be revitalized with Pinball 2000, instead of going with a remake, they instead released Star Wars Episode 1. So, Lucas killed Pinball on purpose. Oh. And wow. so I have a feeling that many of these directors get calls from Georgie Boy. And they say, and he says, Oh, Georgie, I, I want to kill video games down here. Right.
1: Is that <laughs> Satan calling
0: George Lucas? It's a, uh, it, that's my best, uh, clown from it. Oh, okay. I only like the first half of the it mini series,
1: the TV series. The- yes. When they're kids, you don't give a damn when they're adults. Exactly. That's why this next it movie is going to have a big problem. Oh, there's a sequel age them up 25 years and they're going to have different actors playing all those kids. And everyone oh. identifies with those kids from the future. Now I don't, I can't see that working.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't see this movie that we're going to review working either. So what <laughs> I... <laughs>
1: it's a very misunderstood movie. You know, we like to say they're not bad movies just misunderstood and this is a very misunderstood movie very
0: it is a mess when i suggested it i had a choice of either doing this movie or the movie called hollywood zapped hollywood zap i mean and hollywood zap is at least by trauma uh or trauma films yeah which would be more in line with with what you do However, there's one line, and it's also video game related, and it has the old man from Porky's in it, which really resonates with the kids these days. Oh, Um, yes. (laughs) But there's a line in it where this hitchhiker gets picked up and he says, Hurry up, kid. I got a gut full of shit. And even though the movie might be good, I just can't get past that line because it makes me throw up in my sandals.
1: Now I want to see this movie. This, you've, you've sold
0: me on it. <laughs> it, it also has uh, the guy from Bad Santa in it. The guy that plays the elf.
1: I don't know the Bad Santa films, but I know who you're talking
0: about. Yes. And, of course, Chuck Mitchell from Porky in Porky's. Yes, Porky's. Well, you know, it's interesting because
1: there's a horror kind of connection. Because Bob Clark, who directed the Porky's films, who also directed... Black Christmas, and he also directed Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. So his first two films were horror films, and then he went on to make Porkies And Graydon Clark, who directed Joysticks, is a very famous exploitation film director who directed Without Warning, which is what Predator is based on. They buried it at the bottom of the ocean because they wanted to steal all the ideas from it for Predator. But basically it's about an alien that comes to Earth to hunt, and he even has a, a shed where he's drying all their hides in. Oh. Um, and it's a pretty gruesome. It does not have the wonderful makeup of the Predator movie, and it doesn't have the military aspect because this is a alien that's killing dumb hunters out in the sticks. Uh. And it's the same eight foot tall or seven foot blah 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 actor playing the creature too. But this guy just looks like your standard Twilight Zone kind of alien, you know, where he's got the bulbous head, he's got a stupid silver cape or something. (laughs) You know, he looks like a regular alien off of a TV show. Doesn't quite sell it as well as the Predator movies just a few years later. But Without Warning is a classic, and I would recommend anyone who wants to see it an influential and underground horror film by Mr. Graydon Clark, director of Joysticks. I would highly recommend that.
0: Did he do it after or before Joysticks? This
1: was before Joysticks. I'm surprised he was able to do anything after Joysticks.
0: <laughs> Me too. And and especially, you know, I thought, I'm gonna look up IMDB and I'm gonna look up these people that were in Joysticks and they're gonna be dead, except for Joe Don Baker.
1: Joe Don Baker, who is, who is somehow playing Ted Knight in this film. <laughs> It's like Caddyshack with video games.
0: Well, what I was going to say was was it Rob Zombie that reshot Psycho? Or who was it that reshot Psycho?
1: Gus Van Zandt. Okay. So did a shot for shot remake of Psycho for some reason.
0: <laughs> and this movie, uh, Joysticks, is probably about 10 movies that are done shot by shot, but they're intermixed. So you have to think of what movie. Was this a shot-by-shot of?
1: Okay, right now it wants to be Porky's. Right now it wants to be Caddyshack. Right now it wants to be Animal House.
0: Exactly. Exactly Animal House, yeah. And then right now it wants to be Revenge of the Nerds, which might might, or might not have come out. No,
1: no, 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 no. Okay. It does not want to be Revenge of the Nerds because Revenge of the Nerds came out in 1984. So um, perhaps... the nerds wants to be joysticks i
0: i think and now this is my feeling i think that someone slipped the tachyon film yes experimental tachyon. tachyon film into this is some doctor who jazz that you're going to throw on me now. they, they yeah they accidentally put the tachyon film into the camera when yes. they shot revenge of the nerds so yes joysticks saw Revenge of the Nerds before they even finished making it or started making it.
1: Yeah, that does explain a lot. That does (laughs) explain a lot.
0: I have a question
1: for you. Has there been or can there ever be the weird sort of arena-style gaming that is portrayed in this film with the, like, four-foot-tall joystick with the giant bowling ball on the top of it with (laughs) the buttons on the joystick that they use, I have a feeling that that would be almost impossible. And why do you have to hit buttons so much to play Pac-Man? That's yeah, the other,
0: the, the, the Pac-Man button thing is a mystery to everyone. Um, yeah. And it's super Pac that they actually play in there. But they do play one video game in there that's very special to We Talk Games, and I'll mention that. Let's first set it up. You mentioned all the movies that it tries to... Uh, <laughs> overtly lifts you have Jeff who's the main uh, lead uh, man and basically you have three's company except that the lead man doesn't have to pretend he's gay he just has a fear of playing video games yet he owns a video game arcade and you finally get to see the girls naked instead of being on TV where you couldn't see him naked.
1: Imagining them being naked during the commercial breaks.
0: Exactly. And we're not talking about Chrissy here. We're we're talking about, ah, fuck, who
1: replaced Chrissy? Oh, you're talking about when she moved to Fresno and they only talked to her on the phone, you had her doppelganger that came in. Oh I don't gosh, remember that was, character.
0: It wasn't name. Jackie, was it?
1: Generally, Harrison is her replacement. I don't know what the character name is.
0: Okay. Popped into my little brain pan. If you Generally tell me, Harrison was Cindy. Cindy, 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 yes, and Priscilla Barnes was
1: Terry. So we had, I think, we have two Chrissy replacements, and they would talk to Chrissy on the phone in Fresno at the end of the show.
0: Now, I'm older than you, Mr. Loball, although, is you, that so? You is play that true? a person older than me, I'm actually, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 52. Oh, okay. All right, sir. All right. I (laughs) decline. I'm a famous Monsters Magazine guy. Fangoria didn't exist when I was into the Monsters. Well, look,
1: I'm a Starlog kid, so you can just do me.
0: I like Starlog, too. (laughs) That's where we share things in common. That's the common ground. It was Starlog
1: until I was in my 20s, and then it was Cult Movies Magazine.
0: Oh, gotcha. Good to know, but in high school we would say something very crude because that's what you did in the eighties. And we would say, "When Cindy was on, she was always on," ah. and that's some type of joke about the turkey being done. But ah. in the, so, so you I, have, we have the threes company going on except there's no Mister Roper. There's Joe Don Baker. He wasn't Don Knotts. He was no Don Knotts. Not at all. Not even a tinkle. Of Don Knotts. In fact, Joe Don Baker, I think, played Joe Don Baker, an angry middle-aged man. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's got a touch of country, though. He's got a little Jerry Reed, maybe, but no Don
0: Knotts. I was trying to think of a good character that you could compare him to in all these movies. I guess you could compare him to the guy in every movie that wants to shut down the dance theater or the music, disco, and you have to have a battle of the bands or a street dance-off in order to...
1: He's the crusty dean of the school. Ah. He's the overbearing principal. He's the overprotective father. He's all of those kinds of characters from 1880s sex comedies. I actually got to play a character like that. There's a movie coming out called Midnight Show, and there's a parody of a video game sex comedy in the movie called Coin Slots. Whoa! And, and in Coin Slots, all the girls who work at the arcade have like a sexy car wash to save the arcade. <laughs> of course. And then the, I'm the evil mayor. I'm Mayor Mancheese, <laughs> and I'm that guy. It's like, whilst they're having a, a fundraiser, you know. So I'm I'm the. <laughs> I am the bad, evil mayor that wants to close the arcade in Coin Slots, an imaginary 80s movie in Midnight Show whenever that movie comes out.
0: That is wonderful. So Joe Don Baker as uh, the Heavy. I don't even remember what his name was in the movie. Oh, God,
1: Mr. Rudder or something mm, like that?
0: I'll, I'll go with that. And that's what it is, because we're gonna say that's who it is. You say it's so, Mr. Rudder. So, and then
1: Mrs. Rudder was he was dosing her. He was drugging his wife because so he didn't have to have sex with her. That's
0: true. I forgot that whole subplot.
1: And then there was the whole like hilarious date rape scene where the one kid gets on top of her and goes, Look, she's unconscious. This is your big chance. That's
0: true. That is very true. This is like the impregnation of the Virgin Mary by the date raping Jehovah.
1: I yes, That's what it's <laughs> a lot like that. I think that what's interesting is watch, you know, when I watched these movies as a kid, I was always like, these adults are terrible, trying to take the fun away. And then like, I think from the 90s forward, I'm like, You know, the adults are right. You know, video games did ruin everything. These kids are asses. They deserve to have the arcade shut down. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe I'm a stick in the mud, but it's like in all these movies, I'm like, I'm on the side of the guy trying to shut the arcade. Rock and roll did ruin everything. You know, they were right. They weren't wrong. They were right. It did ruin everything. Uh Aha. Everyone is just like a miserable adolescent their entire lives. We don't even have adults
0: anymore. That's true. We don't. And, you know, uh, speaking of politics, which I'm sure you wanted to talk about. Oh, I I
1: love talking. Well, (laughs) you know me so well. I love talking politics.
0: But when I was young, I was like, you know, in the 80s and just everyone was crazy. And I I mean, I was straight edge and everything, but everybody I knew was, you know, all either heads or jocks or whatever. And I thought, well, it's finally other people like me we're going to be fifty one day, and all this garbage, this Reagan garbage, is going to go away, and because uh, intelligent people are going to be running the country. And, uh, 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 and what the hell? They turned uh, into the Reagans and everything.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well about that. Joysticks. I know. And speaking of the '80s, and the, the you know, and again, the the reason there were these movies that were so outrageous is because we were in such a stifling, very conservative kind of area. There was sort of a conservative agenda happening. Yeah. yeah. And going to a movie like that was really escapism because that was not my high school experience. I don't think that was anybody's high school experience. <laughs> and people were feeling like there were these gatekeepers that were keeping them from having fun. So I, I think a lot of it was very metaphorical, you know, not as ridiculous as it was portrayed in those movies, but I, I do think there was a, a real serious zeitgeist, something in the zeitgeist where people were feeling like the government was really stifling them. The authority figures, we won't keep it to government, we won't make it political, but we'll just say that people people were feeling like, you know, I mean, they were trying to ban pornography, you know, there yeah. were huge campaigns and video video games were being attacked too video games were legitimately i mean that was in the news where people mm-hmm. said what's happening to our y- young people or our punk music even dancing i mean i remember, remember when they were like trying to say that uh, moshing was a crime you know sure. that people couldn't dance at shows i think that even though these movies are terrible and ridiculous they're in a fantasy the same way that a star wars movie is a fantasy this is no one's version of reality this is just pure escapism
0: well i will tell you this when i used to drive past freedom high school and uh i was still in junior high and freedom high school had a giant banner that the students had put up instead said in freedom high school it said freedom prison now you'll never guess why they said it was now a prison I have no idea. It was because they took away the senior smoke room. (laughs) So so that the seniors could no longer (laughs) have a cigarette inside of Freedom. This was the giant prison. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah, you know, teachers had a smoking lounge, but the, the students did not in my time. Sure. teachers did have a smoking lounge and i always thought that was funny because they were always the one busting everybody else for smoking and you know and they were running off to their little smoking lounge every two minutes
0: definitely so you got the movie right they want to shut down this arcade because uh joe don baker's daughter is a valley girl Extreme yeah, valley girl. Yeah,
1: and she's like a valley girl for sure, for sure. Like they, like she, like listened to the Frank Zappa song four times yes. and based her whole character off that one personification of a valley girl.
0: Uh, yes, of of Moon Unit Zappa. And for some reason, she has a crush on well, because he's such a hunk on Jeff, the arcade owner, as well. When I mentioned about the three's company, it's because Jeff has a beautiful brunette and a beautiful blonde on. Uh, both arms. And then, of course, there is the nerdy kid that comes in, and there is also the Bluto. Speaking of uh, Animal House, there is a Bluto character, and he is, his name is Dorfler. Dorfus, Dorfus. isn't it? Dorfus, yes. yes. I, I I changed his name to be even better th- than it was.
1: Yeah, no, he improved it. He definitely improved
0: it. And I gotta tell you, Dorfus is just as disgusting as that line I mentioned about hurry up, kid. I gotta gut full of shit because
1: he was Dorf- disgusting but i kind of feel like he wasn't really that dis- i mean he wasn't disgusting enough to get kicked off the video game at, in the beginning of the movie i thought that was a little uh i, I didn't quite understand that you know I, yeah yeah i guess he got popcorn on the video game but he's, he's about to get nine million on pac-man just let him do it and then he can clean his popcorn
0: yes but I don't know if they seriously got his wardrobe from driving around looking through dumpsters, because it is very difficult to look at him.
1: He is a little greasy, and is he got the Mark Harmon Hawaiian shirt and the dirty gray T-shirt, where you're not sure if the T-shirt's really gray or if it's just he's just never ever washed it.
0: You don't know the color of any of his clothes. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. And he's sweating.
1: Uh, and, and I don't understand. Him. The wife must be really sex-starved to want to jump on him
0: when he's tied <laughs> up in her living room. Joe Don Baker's wife. Is... A man? <laughs> yes. Know, what was that from, uh, so, Stripes? Did Stripes do that?
1: That seems like that would belong in Stripes. Stripes had a, has a couple of kinky, I think, references in it. But, you know, that was the other thing, too, is that there was this kind of, like, whips and chains, S&M kind of thing that was sort of coming out in heavy metal music and in magazines. And nobody really understood it, but everyone was trying to put it in their movie somehow, you know?
0: Yeah, we'll talk about one way that the wife, who is drugged by her husband, given quaaludes and I don't know what, washing it down with booze, but there's there's something that occurs that excites her. And it's a type of uh, pheromone, you could say, but let's not go there quite yet.
1: Oh, so, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Oh. So
0: so to throw the last element of this wanting to close down the video arcade yes. is the unlikely team-up of Joe Don Baker with those punk rock ruffian scruffy people. Davidius. King Vidiot. Davidius. Yes, and King mm-hmm. Vidiot is the king of his vidiots.
1: Now, what I want to know is he's got these four amazing punk girls, these four amazing new wave girls disguised as punk girls, Yes, hanging out with him. Why is he interested at all in the guy who is disguised as a woman to spy on the arcade?
0: <laughs> we forgot about the two bumbling nephews of John yeah, Doe Baker,
1: Yeah. The bad guy always seems you know, the whole bad guy with dumb
0: henchmen thing. Yes. You know,
1: they sort of have that sort of sewn up in this. This has
0: everything. It really does. So when I thought about how the hell are we gonna review this, I, I just thought tell people to watch the movie. Yes. <laughs> it's free on YouTube. It's just it's, it's it's so many movies in one movie and none of them are done well. When
1: I was a lad, and then this movie came out, I remember being disappointed that it didn't have the Daz Band song oh,
0: in it. That would have been wonderful because I always thought that that song, since the song
1: came out around the same time, I always assumed that that was the music for the movie.
0: That's one thing that shines in this movie, and and first of all, I want to say the last thing I would have ever thought Mr. Lobo would say would be something about Daz Band. <laughs> I just want to get that out there, uh-huh. but the the music in this movie is amazing because the songs are about what's going on in the movie.
1: They are. It, it's almost like they just took the synopsis of the movie and set it to music in every scene.
0: We have a cold opening, I guess. Cold. I mean, cold opening is normally safe for television, but we have a cold opening uh, in this movie. More than anything else, probably because they could only do titles like on their video cameras. I, that's what I'm assuming.
1: Well, they, I mean, well, it was shot on film, so. Oh, it was? Yeah, of course. Oh, my. This was theatrically released. So, I mean, this was shot on 35 millimeter Pan- Panavision. This is
0: not cheap. Wow. I thought and this was only released probably in. probably
1: had to either have special cameras adjusting uh, for exposure and shutter speeds so that they could film the video, which was very extremely difficult in those days. You know, if you you watch like old TV shows like Six Million Dollar Man or Wonder Woman or anything, whenever someone's on a video screen, it's almost always an optical effect because somehow it was easier to rotoscope a fake television than it was to film a video happening on a television and have the quality of the picture look good. Right, so because of the line sync. So either had to optically print the video game sequences onto film a frame at a time, or they probably had to have a very specialized camera person who understood exposures and stuff well enough to shoot these sequences separately of the actual gaming.
0: Oh, you mean so the lighting of the video screen and the lighting of the character playing the video game would both be equal?
1: That, as well as just so that there would be no scan lines, because typically when you would try to film something, like if you were—I don't know—I had an eight-millimeter camera when I was a kid, and I would try to film things off the television, and whenever that film would come back, it would look like garbage because Right, because of this—the sinking.
0: Lines. Yeah, you had it. You had to have a, a sink to match the sinking. It had, a bit. You had to match the sink, but,
1: but again, you're you dealing with two different disciplines: video versus film. So mm. you had to
0: adjust for both. That's why you need it to go to 29.5 frames per second instead of 30, 29.7. That's uh, interesting. That's, that's real by the way. There's a 29.7 frames per second or a 30 frames per second. Sure.
1: Yeah. I, most of the stuff, our stuff is 29 frames now, but I actually kind of like the 24 frames stuff. I like that.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Me too. The original name of this movie would have been called video hole video, video Hullet, H-U-L-L-U-T. All is one word. Video Hullet. What is it, German? That's what it sounds like to me. Video Hullet. <laughs> uh, perhaps
1: it was huge or overseas, or perhaps it was overseas money. You know, we're doing a lot of mm. well, a lot of theories here with this movie, but <laughs> we are. <laughs> uh, Braden Clark he did uh, Satan's cheerleaders. I mean, this is mm. a man who knows how to do a movie fast and force very specific audience, and I think that they probably secured the money from wherever they secured the money from, probably was attached to dodge, they prob- probably killed some guy. They prob- probably There probably are some deaths. you uh, know
0: I was going to say nobody died in this movie because then I could somehow tie it in with Mr. Lobo, but maybe somebody died to make the movie that that uh, then okay.
1: I guess I could get sued accusing the production of murder. But I think think that, you know, these movies were a venture. Somebody was in a hurry to make money off of the video game phenomenon. And I know that Graydon Clark wrote and produced and directed. So he probably wrote the thing in two days and started shooting immediately. If they weren't writing pages every day. You know, a lot of those movies that were made, especially these kind of cut and run exploitation films... They just got everyone together and were writing pages on the day. Like, okay, here's what you say today, and Mm -hmm. here's what you do today. And okay, you won't take your top off. You're fired. All right, (laughs) right, get the next one in
0: here. Right, right. So King Vidiot is promised to. I I I derailed
1: us from the basic plot (laughs) of the film.
0: (laughs) Plot. Yeah, the, the the plot derails itself into other plots the, the, like I like I mentioned there are so many movies in this one movie I'm sorry, what's the director's name again? Because I'll never remember it uh, Graydon Clark Graydon Clark, okay, okay, Graydon Clark Yeah, yeah that does sound familiar uh, I think I heard you mention him before yeah. in the show he said that he got an on according to IMDB he said he got the idea when he saw a bunch of kids standing in front of a video arcade <laughs> There you go. That's it. That's a movie. Where's the rest of that story? There is none. There is
1: none. And, and that's pretty much probably it because he's thinking all of these kids have money and they're pouring this money into video games. And if we made a movie about that culture, we would get some of that money too. Mm. What a brilliant plan. Well, luckily, they didn't have the problem that the breakdancing movies had because, you know, you had the movie Breaking yes. and you had Beat Street. And there was a there was like a rush between Breakin' and and Beat Street as to who would be first, you know, who was going to, you know, and basically in that kind of a situation. It's like a gunfight. Whoever gets that movie out first wins. Graydon Clark also made the Lombada movie. Do you remember the Lombada? Yes, of course. So Graydon Clark did that, too. And there were two Lombada movies also that were trying to come out. Oh, my gosh. So he's been in this race before uh-huh's he, been in this he's been in this gunfight before where there is something new to youth culture that's happening and you got to be firstest with the mostest, not even the mostest. you just have to be firstest. You have to do something that will speak to that generation. There had to be the video arcade movie. I don't know if joystick had its competitor, but
0: Hollywood Zap, let's see when did this come out? Uh,
1: 83 was out. Uh, uh, Joysticks is 83, so I don't know what is Hollywood Zap I've ever heard of.
0: I only have these on VHS. Like I said, it's from Troma Team and it's got the Porky's guy in it. And Jesus. 86. If 86? Okay. Well, then I guess it wasn't direct competition, but probably on the video shelves it was. On the video store shelf, probably, yeah. I just got to say, beat the street before the street beats you. That's a better tagline. Now, when when Breaking 2, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo, came out, then right. that trumps everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo has become like the
1: gold standard of making fun of a funny sequel subtitle.
0: Even just saying anything to, like Jaws 2, Electric Boogaloo. Right. It's a joke. It's a punchline. It, it is.
1: Fill in the blank. Friday the 13th, Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. You can <laughs> say anything. And then electric boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. But the challenge is to try to find ones that are equally funny. And it's hard because electric boogaloo is the gold standard. I always say citizens on patrol.
0: Ah, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, you know, Bible Wonderful. goes west. You know, I try to find things that are funny, but electric boogaloo is pretty darn funny. It's hard to beat.
0: Yeah, when you go in a restaurant, it's like table for two, electric boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Also too, I want to know why, you know, where the hot dog goes between the breasts.
0: Yes, the there film. is a hot dog that goes between the breasts. I feel
1: like That scene goes on for like 25 minutes it where does. they're trying to get the hot dog out from between her bosoms. I always wondered, you know, why didn't they do a version of the operation board game <laughs> <that> <laughs> is based on joysticks where you're just trying to get the hot dog out of the woman's breasts and then it buzzes every time you hit the side.
0: That would have been amazing. But instead, Eugene, right? Eugene was playing the uh, the nerd.
1: He was the nerd, yes. I think Revenge of the Nerds happened as a direct retaliation to this film. It, it I might think have. It, Eugene gets it pretty bad. They pants him in the beginning of the movie by showing their boobs. By showing their boobs. I don't know. I, I mean.
0: Here's an interesting thing about Kim Allen. She was Kim a brunette. Allen. Yes. Everyone will know this. In Weird Science, yes. We only get one full frontal yes and it's the girl that gets sucked up the chimney that's playing the piano right that was kim mallon oh okay now everybody knows who she is okay famous now kim g mitchell was the blonde and this is the only movie she's done as far as we know yeah
1: now there's a lot of bosoms in this like if you're seeing a movie based on the number of bosoms that appear you're getting your money's worth with with joysticks
0: definitely and you'll be using your
1: joystick Uh. if you like tan lines a lot yeah
0: (laughs) you will be using your joystick mr lobo you need to know this about me i am a sucker for tan lines (laughs) i really am Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's unfortunately true this hot dog scene for some reason eugene can't use the tongs to just pull it straight out he yeah i mean he purposefully like breaks it in half and it's you're you're right, it goes on way too long, but it's it's painfully obvious that he's just trying to snap the tip of it off. And and I have no idea why. How is that funnier?
1: I guess the idea, maybe it was written in the script, is that her boobs were so firm that they were gripping that hot dog so tight that the hot dog breaks instead of coming straight out of her boobs Maybe. But I don't that, I don't know what the what the thought process was. I'm sure cocaine was involved yeah. across the board of as far as the production of this movie. Indeed. I'm surprised Alf wasn't on set somewhere with this movie. Uh, there should so have been a cocaine puppet. to everyone. Um, <laughs> but I think when you make a movie like this you're kind of making it with your tongue in your cheek. People think exploitation movies exploit the subject matter. They're really exploiting the audience, whatever audience it's designed for. They're just pushing that audience's buttons, and they know that that's what the kids are gonna there to see. They know the kids are going to either be laughing or they're going to be doing something else, and they want it to last a good long time.
0: Indeed. So the very beginning, you know exactly what this film is about. It's all out there. There's no surprises left after these uh, opening title shots because it's of Kim. G. Mitchell, the blonde, uh, playing a video game, and zoom ins on her uh, jiggly, uh, b- b- her full range of acting abilities, yes, <laughs> top to bottom. But then there comes a point where the two girls want to get together with Jeff, and they're going to play strip video, strip video, and of this course. is this is the big, <laughs> and it, it's wonderful. This is the apex of the movie. What's that called in the movie? Is it the climax? I'm not sure if it's that either. There might have been a climax. The anti-climax, I would say. Yes, that's what this is. Pasto,
1: perhaps. (laughs) I feel like video game based orgies were too short lived
0: of a trend. It was such a sub subculture. It never really made it. Not like uh, the rainbow dick. Rainbow dick had far much more play than strip video, which it had. liked. but they play the video game that we reviewed. I think this was our April Fool's review, and we actually had two teams, the young ones, the young ones that wanted to take over the show, and the veterans of Kyle and I, and we did a stereo show. So if you listen to the right channel, it would be us talking about streaking. Oops, I gave away what the game was. And if you listen to the right channel, it was the young kids doing an entire show about streaking. So it's a double show of streaking. So they're playing the game Streaking, the 1981 showy game, streaking and uh this is for strip video i don't know how you really score this but evidently we find out then that jeff could not play video games because of an experience he had with his ex-girlfriend where their father came in and i don't remember what video games had to do with it do you
1: yes i do now this is what's kind of funny about this because you know we're talking about the please company situation he's got these two girls that are all over him you know yeah got right? these two girls that are all over him and then you've got the valley girl who also likes him but really like an hour into the movie we find out that he lost his love of his life because the father found her after her and him uh doing it at the video arcade And he sees his face reflected in the video game screen. That's right. And so he takes her away and he never sees her again. Ever since that night of having a candlelit screw in the video arcade. (laughs) And having it ruined by the guy's father, who somehow he saw the reflection of in the (laughs) the game screen, which is a weak thing at best. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's you now psychologically destroyed, where he cannot play a video game without thinking about this terrible night where he lost his true love.
0: Where he lost his virginity to his girlfriend's dad because that image is burned into his mind.
1: Way too late to do- try to bring in a tender love story into a movie like this.
0: But there is a dream sequence with smoke and everything else. And I just got to tell you something, Mr. Loba. I don't know if yeah. you realize this, but... Dream sequences are usually completely different than what's actually going to go on. It's usually like a nightmare or things are changed around or different results or what have you in the dream sequence. But yes, they have to film that dream sequence. Yes. So that dream sequence really happens. It's not a dream. It's real. That's true. Think of that for a while. It blows Absolutely. your
1: mind. It blows my mind with that. Absolutely. Well, what's interesting in this movie is when they're giving testimony later. You're seeing completely filmed versions of their explanation of what goes on at the video game arcade. One is a sort of a hell-like orgy with flames and people with, uh, you know, topless women with whips, which is great. And that is the Joe Don Baker's description. Yes, and then the uh, the young lead Jeff or whatever his name is, he describes it, and it's sort of like a cross between a computer study lab in heaven that's right yes. where people are learning and, and what's funny about it is even in the nice version this woman says oh i'm sorry i accidentally touched you with my breast
0: <laughs> yes. And uh,
1: the nerd says that's okay i don't know what that's supposed to show that he's just unaffected by the accidental sexiness <laughs> that may occur even in this this supposedly angelic and proper version of what goes on at the
0: video game arcade. Right on. So, this sub story of the two bumbling people. they cousins. Yes. They want to suss the video game arcade. And of course, what one person does is dress up like a Hasidic Jew, and the other person dresses up like his wife. Concubine. Laden? I don't know. No, no, uh,
1: he's not dressed like a Hasidic Jew. He's supposed to be a hippie.
0: Oh, that's right, he is a hippie, but he does not look like a hippie.
1: <laughs> no, no, he's a very badly done hippie, if that's why you thought he was a Hasidic Jew. Yeah. He was so out of touch that he couldn't even pretend to be a hippie in the 1980s.
0: They were out of hippie costumes at the costume store. Yes. Of course, the other person, I think when he dresses up like a girl, I think he looks a little like Larry Fine.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. He's a very unusual looking man. I mean, he's not quite as homely as, say, Clint Howard, but he certainly has a strangeness in a similar way as Clint Howard.
0: Okay, I'll accept that. And, of course, King Vidiot falls in love with this person.
1: <laughs> yes, he has these gorgeous babies, which I guess that's ironic, right? That's supposed to be funny. He's got these gorgeous women with him, and he's taken with this man dressed as a woman. That's another thing that people were tee-hee, giggly about, <laughs> yes. you know, uh, gender-bending in that time period, was a new, uh, which wasn't even a new thing even then. No but yeah. um he, somehow king Vidiot was thought thought he was a proper lady or maybe he didn't maybe he was just turned on by the fact that it, it was a guy in drag maybe he he thought that was better than
0: what he had going quite on. possible he was a weirdo king Vidiot He was, was a weirdo weird. and
1: he was like a he was a movie punk right he was like no kind of real punk <laughs> he, he yeah of course yeah like a punk from a honeycomb commercial
0: <laughs> that's great Let's get to the point of this. Somehow they,
1: possible?
0: <laughs> they come up with this idea for Joe Don Baker. Hey, we got a great idea. We're going to steal the all the arcade machines, and that's going to make the arcade close down. Right. I don't know if that really would make an arcade close down, but they think that will. And of course, they find yeah, out about I don't
1: this. Think they have insurance, but you know,
0: Jeff finds out about this, and so they empty out the truck. By having someone suck the gasoline out of the truck and then other shenanigans and then they empty the truck and they get back and what do you know, the nerd and Dorfus are having sex with the passed out wife of Joe Don Baker. Joe Don Baker comes home and he finds uh, the nerd out there. And that, actually, that part was pretty funny when the nerd climbs down on the roof and Dorfus is trying to ask, it wasn't the mayor. The mayor actually liked video games. He yes. tries to act, trying to just stall Joe Don Baker at his front door. And here comes Eugene right in front of him, right off the porch roof. Uh, yes, and
1: it, it falls out of nowhere. <laughs> and, and, and somehow they still end up walking away from that
0: situation. And that was, uh, that was a truly a funny part of the movie. I did laugh at that. Um, it,
1: took t- it took us a- too long to get there, it though. Did, it
0: did. But the boobs. Yes, uh, there were lots of boobs. Yes. What's going to happen is uh, Joe Don Baker teams up with King Viddy and He says, uh, okay, if King Vidiot wins this video game against Dorfus, which was Super Pack on yeah. giant screens with, like you said, the Wheel of Fortune giant uh, pull balls that yes. are like three-foot-tall joysticks, which yes. actually did occur in games like Nickelodeon or something. They would have these type of weird things where they had giant joysticks. But I think they really got that from the garbage dump behind Joker's Wild. Joker's behind, Wild. Behind, Joker!
1: Joker! Joker!
0: And a double. Yeah. And, no, uh, whammies, no whammies, no whammies, stop. <laughs> no. No. But the Joker's Wild did have those giant pull sticks with Wink Martindale. And so I think that's where they got those, and they have to pretend that they're stuck in the stage. They never show down below where their feet are.
1: Yeah, I guess they were just trying to make it more cinematic somehow.
0: Yes. The videos are shown on giant screens, which were dubbed in, like you had mentioned, about filming things separately and trying to. Uh, Of course, though, Dorfus is tied up, and Dorfus is known for his Dorfus maneuver, which is farting. Yes. A very smelly farts, evidently. And he can clear out the entire arcade with his farts. But now he's tied up, so he can't get to the arcade. And Jeff has to play Super Pack and overcome his fears against King Vidiot. But Dorfus, quick thinking, makes his Dorfus maneuver while he's tied up in the basement. And this wakes up Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Joe Don Baker.
1: Who, yeah, oh, Mrs. Rudder or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Roper and yes. Mrs. Roper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Mrs. Roper comes down and uh is, you know, just enamored by his Dorfus farts. Uh well,
1: and I think I think him being tied up there on the couch yes. somehow was a t-
0: for her too. And that's payback, my friend. You rape me while I'm unconscious now, you get it back. Yeah. I, I guess that's it, but Dorfus convinces, uh, Mrs. Roper to, to let him free. And he comes back to the arcade King vidiot. And I don't remember, but of course the good guys win. Oh, because Jeff overcomes his fear and he, the, he also
1: King Vidiot just unexplicably walks away from the
0: game because he thinks he's got it. Beat Jeff cracked under pressure. So it's like the Batman thing. It's like the Batman thing. Yeah, I got to go somewhere else after I tie you up and you're ready to get killed. I got to go. I got to go so do something. else.
1: And then Jeff catches up in score and then he wins. And then Grandpa, who owns the video arcade, comes back miraculously in the last five seconds of the movie with his missing girlfriend that he talked about. Yes. And so he ends up not with Chrissy or Janet or the Valley girl, but right. some girl who was only in a flashback. Yes
0: which, remember, was real. They really had to do that. So is it a flashback, or is it some type of fake news?
1: Fake news. I think it, well, it's story. You know, again, we're we're using words like story and plot, but the plot is supposed (laughs) to be that it wasn't a dream, really. It was a flashback. I guess in that case, it's something that happened. Ah. But it's filmed like a dream because he's remembering
0: it. Yes, you have the vaseline around the edges to know that it's not happening in real time. <laughs> there was a
1: lot of vaseline in this movie. <laughs> they just needed more on the hot dog so they could get it out <laughs> from between the breasts.
0: Yeah, they should have just glued it in there. The only other thing to mention about this movie cuz that's it. The only thing that is very surprising, like we mentioned many of these people went on to do actual real movies, surprisingly Scott McGinnis was the lead uh handsome guy in a lot of uh, different movies. Even Dorfus went on to be in legitimate television. You know, one He's
1: episode. A He's a senator now. Is he really? No, no. That was, <laughs> that was another Animal House still.
0: Oh, right. Okay, yeah. okay. Another weird thing is I want to go back and try to find this movie Wacko Wacko because both joe donton baker even though he had done legitimate films beforehand is yes. and scott mcginnis are in this uh, movie called wacko wacko which came out a few years before and and actually scott mcginnis was a child actor he was in oh. uh, he was even in black and white films how that happened
1: probably unstable it it <laughs> right indeed oh, okay did you say wacko yes 1980 yes Graydon Clark directed that.
0: Oh, my gosh. There you go. That is the tie-in there, too. We got Lombada. We got
1: <laughs> <laughs> Satan's Cheerleaders. Yeah. We got Wacko.
0: I get, we got to figure out what Wacko Wacko is. There's wacko a
1: thing in this movie, the comic book, somehow. Mm. There's a lot of licensed things in this movie for such a cheap movie. I feel like well, probably a movie like this couldn't be made today because I think they get sued. I don't know if they got clearances on everything. I mean, you know, if you think about like a movie made about if the lead character worked in a movie theater or a television station, it would all be made-up TV shows and made-up movies. Definitely. This has got Night Driver and Defender and Miss Pac-Man and Pac-Man and Pole Position and Centipede and Quicks and Satan's Hollow. And Moon Patrol. I don't know if they cleared all those games or not. I mean, you'd <laughs> think that would be someone's job to do that, but when you do a movie like this that's just supposed to you know, sneak into town in the drive-in and sneak back out again. I don't know if they did all those clearances.
0: Um, (laughs) I can tell you, no. (laughs) There's no way that they did because Namco would never let their... Is
1: that why this movie has never had like a really good, more modern release? Has there been a Blu-ray? Does anyone know? I mean, I hate that. That's a a Facebook kind of question. Does anybody know? (laughs) Somebody knows. I think there was
0: a 25th anniversary of this movie a blu-ray no just like maybe some people got together for a (laughs) party at somebody's
1: house they just just met at a carl's jr or a mcdonald's somewhere and Uh, had an anniversary
0: is that what you're saying that's where dorfus was working yes met at a chuck e cheese actually that makes Uh sense yes but this is the big reveal here king vidiot is actually uncle rico uncle Uncle Rico. rico from rico? napoleon dynamite oh oh okay that rico yes wow He's the great uncle rico from yes. napoleon dynamite napoleon. how about that that is something he even has an action figure you wouldn't expect that that was the lead there you go that's why we had the anticlimax, and now the final final climax
1: that's something that's a lot of uh you know star power
0: like you said, it took a long way to get there.
1: Yeah, that was the <laughs> that was the finisher. Indeed. Uh, wow. Well, well, that's something. I have joysticks on VHS. It has a beautiful cover. It does um, for people who collect VHS. And most movies with video games in them did not have name brand video games, or they would have one or mm-hmm. two. Like if you, like in the movie Shock Treatment, it's only Space Invaders. It's like an entire arcade of just Space Invaders. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's very rare to see an arcade that actually looks, I mean, even though this arcade sort of looks halfway between a game show set and a disco. Other than that, it is kind of like an arcade. Our arcades never looked like that. Our arcades were dark and dismal. And, you know, maybe there'd be like a splash of neon on oh, a, yeah. On a, brick wall somewhere, but it was usually kept dark so that you could see the screens real well.
0: And also not see the piss on the floor. That too. But uh, discos, uh, funny enough, usually had an arcade in them. Once arcades became popular, there would always be an arcade room in a disco.
1: Yeah, and we played a lot of our video games at the lower rink. The lower rink usually had a good selection. Definitely. We did our share of roller disco. The other thing I think that should be mentioned is the, is the copious use of the Pac-Man wipe. They use the Pac-Man wipe probably about 11 times That's in this movie. That's right.
2: That's where right.
1: giant Pac-Man eats up the previous screen that you're looking at and it, it, it transitions you into the next scene. I kind of feel like that should be like a, a plug-in for Premiere. You know, in case you need the Pac-Man wipe, you can <laughs> just have it on demand for all your home movies or your backyard
0: cinema and i gotta say it is probably one of the worst pac-mans i've ever seen i don't know how they made that <laughs> if they used ms paint i'm not sure but
1: Paint did not was not a thing yet I, so it, it probably <laughs> they took a real pac-man and traced it and had to rotoscope it and so it was a combination of a really poor resolution object in the first place somehow being uh, traced and optically composited uh, exactly. for a film condition.
0: The pixels are very sharp, and this pixelized Pac-Man had blur on it. It, it was the edges yeah. were not sharp at yeah, all.
1: rounded. So. Now, like I said, I feel like the best it probably was traced and not mm-hmm. traced well. That's, right. That's, that's, that's it's
0: probably traced at actual size, and then they blew it up. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah I, I agree. The last line of the synopsis on the back of the VHS is. A riotous farce of good natured video mania.
1: Good natured is somewhat debatable, but I think that they mostly got it. I think that's a somewhat fair description.
0: Do you think it's a farce?
1: Uh, yes, I think okay. so. A
0: farce. Now, a farce, and I
1: would describe a farce as if the stakes of the movie really don't matter. We're just kind of in there for a bunch of jokes that are stringed together. And I think that this definitely qualifies. I don't think the drama in there is what's keeping you involved. I don't think you're at any point think they're in any real danger. So I would say any movie in which the actual plot or the actual story is just sort of a vehicle to deliver jokes is a farce.
0: Now, you never thought that the arcade would get shut down? It's
1: not that I didn't think that they would, but I didn't care enough about the characters that it would really matter.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: There's no emotional ties to anyone in this movie.
0: There is nothing.
1: Everyone everyone in this movie is just a voice box for their idiotic (laughs) points of view. Everyone is a cartoon character. Everyone is two-dimensional. Mm -hmm. The video game characters are more dimensional than the people in the movie that they're supposed to be playing the game. In this case, we're supposed to be laughing at everybody. There are no sides, really, in this movie. I mean, everyone comes out looking like a jackass.
0: One thing that I thought was very weird, especially for a movie like this, they didn't try to go for anything memorable, like, you know, uh, if it was really Bluto try to guess what i am now or you know any type of thing you know like uh s- stick around or whatever
1: stick around yeah uh there, there weren't any clever taglines. is that what you're saying yeah. they, 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 they didn't they didn't get their water cooler takeaway where people talk about that i think the hot dog in the boobs is their clever i'm a zit line but you then, know, I feel like that. That's, I think it. The humor in this is almost a hundred percent slapstick.
0: But, so but, but why not? Like you got the tip, Eugene. You know, just the yeah, tip. Oh, you know? yeah. That's right. I, they could have done so many different things.
1: Could have. Well, you know, why don't we reboot joysticks? I think
0: this needs a remake.
1: I think that you and I could probably write a a little sharper script, a little more satirical, couple memorable lines that people could go home and, you know, impress each other with on the internet.
0: Well, if you want to see a better movie than this, try to look up Kyle Von Cubics, our own Kyle Von Kubiks, Joystick the Pirate, and he stars in the short Dried Macaroni, the game. Look that up on the wow. YouTube for the video game incredible. Dried Macaroni.
1: Yes. That does sound good. Well, and when Midnight Show finally comes out, you get to see the coin slots segment.
0: I can't wait. I love it. Mr. Lobo, tell us uh, more things about you, where people can see ya and be ya and things like this there, then there. Now, did you like Dr. Shock when you were a kid?
1: Well, see, I'm from California.
0: Oh, so then you I had nothing had good. Creature Features. Did you we have just, Creature Double Feature?
1: We didn't have Creature Double Feature. We just had Creature Features.
0: Oh, yeah. Creature Single Feature.
1: What's interesting is those shows, a lot of us, were watching the same movies because they were sold to packages to local television stations. The Creature Feature Package was a package of films. In Washington, D.C., Count Gorda Ball was showing those films on his show, which was called Creature Feature. In Philly and in Boston, they called it Creature Double Feature. Yes. In other markets, it was called Creature Feature, and in Northern California, where I'm from, our version was, had an S. It was Creature Features, and it was hosted by Bob Wilkins. Okay. Uh, so that was what I grew up with. Well, actually, first, when I went into syndication with Cinema Insomnia, that's when I got to hear about all these great hosts across the country, because people would say, oh, you know, I just watched your show, and you remind me of Dr. Blood, or you remind me of mm-hmm. Morgus, or you mm-hmm. remind me of Zachary. And they would send me tapes of the host that they grew up with in Philly. There's a wonderful history with Dr. Shock because Dr. Shock is actually carrying on or was carrying on Zachary. Zachary was originally Philly who is probably the most famous horror host. Zachary. Um, well next to Elvira, I guess Zachary Uh uh, is probably the most famous horror host. He was a ghoul called Roland and he hosted horror films on shock theater in the Philly area. He took his Undertaker character to New York and renamed it Zacherly, and then Dr. Shock took over and kind of did a very similar hair parted down the middle and a long frock coat and the dark shadows under the cheekbones. He did the same makeup as the original uh, Roland or, or Zachary, but he also added his own flair. He did magic tricks. Yes, and uh, he had Bubbles on, which was his daughter, oh. and so uh, and he presented horror films in the Philly area and on several different shows. Like I think he had two or three different programs where he showed movies. So he was on TV a lot, and boy, a lot of people around here miss him and love him. And, yeah, and every market has their own. It was a national phenomenon that happened locally, and it's folk art. It's amazing to hear of the stories of all the different ones.
0: Yeah, are you going to write a book? I wish I could. I wish I had that kind
1: of time. I'd love to make the book about just misunderstood movies. You know, I'd like to do a breakdown of what people call the worst movies. Because I feel like when I first started doing this, there's a lot of things where it's like, you know, it's so bad, it's good. And, you know, all that sort of stuff.
0: What about Mystery Science Theater? I hate it. Well, I
1: don't hate those guys. I I hate it.
0: What they're doing...
1: In the Hands of a Lesser Group of People would Mm. be a Saturday Night Live sketch at the best. Mm -hmm. Um, But because they're such good writers, they were able to sustain that premise for a long, long, long time. I think that if it gives you one more reason to look at these movies another time, that's great if it gets you into watching these movies, because to be honest, they raised the real estate of every movie they ever had on their show. Yeah. A lot of people desired to see those movies. I mean, Manos got a 4k treatment because of mystery science theater. Mm. So even though I don't always feel like having somebody talk through the movie, it is amazing to me. The reality of if it's any kind of presentation of these movies is good because it always brings attention back to the original source.
0: Every time I want to review a movie with Kyle, it's yeah. like, oh, well, they did that on Mystery Science Theater. I'm like, oh, we can't do it.
1: That's not fair. You can do it. You can do it. Okay. Why can't you do it because Mystery Science Theater does it?
0: I don't know. I don't question him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should.
0: You just stand up. I should. Up to it. I I got him into podcasting. <laughs> anyway.
1: You know, people always ask me to do shows, movies that have been on Mystery Science Theater, and I'm always surprised, but they want to see what I'm going to do with it. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't go, why would you want to see me do Manos? They own that movie. Why would you want to see me do, what's another one that they did really well? Um, I don't know. But, any, you know, Manos is, I think, one of those ones that comes to mind, but there are lots of them that they did that... I would think that nobody else would be able to approach because they put their stamp on it so hard, mm-hmm. but, uh, people do want to see other takes on those movies. They want to see other people riffing on them, other reviews, other presentations, because again, I think it gives people another reason to look at these movies. Uh, and sometimes you need an excuse.
0: Yeah. I think times have changed from when I was uh, in my twenties in my twenties, it was universal. It was mostly black and white. We got a little bit into Hammer Horror, but mostly it was u- all Universal. It was all uh, Bela Lugosi or um, you know Boris, or, or and especially anything with Dwight Fry. That was my bag. Anything with Dwight Fry. Yeah, man.
1: Hashtag anything with Dwight Fry.
0: And <laughs> we no. have to try to spell it. There's two ways.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, you gotta get an E on the end, and uh, it's, you never get it, it's, it's too <laughs> difficult. I like old movies I like new movies I like movies and I like movies that have something to them that is weird or interesting or imaginative. what I was trying to say earlier uh, as far as like h- how when I started doing my show it was always like the 50 worst movies of all time well it's daytime now it's nighttime and now it's daytime again Oh what were they thinking and oh he knocked over the knocked over the tombstone what an idiot. Uh-huh. And I think to myself, you know, it doesn't take an idiot to make this kind of a movie. It takes a genius. Let's say it takes five apples to make a movie. Yeah. Ed would always had like two and a half, maybe three apples at most. Right. And somehow he still made a movie. That is magic. That is alchemy. He did something that was impossible. It wasn't a choice between making a good movie and making a bad movie. It was between not making a movie at all and actually making a movie. And, you know, movies about spacemen and vampires and ninjas and robots and castles and dragons and cowboys, those are all good movies. The worst movies in the world have nothing interesting about them. There's some a Disease of the Week, Meredith Baxter, Bernie, Lifetime movie that no one remembers. There's some Aston Kutcher romantic comedy from five years ago that nobody remembers. Mm. The worst movies in the world aren't worth doing witty commentary about.
0: And also, Ed Wood, perfect to team up with Bela Lugosi because Bela Lugosi always gave it 100% no matter what the role was.
1: Absolutely. He absolutely. was there. I don't know what my 100% is worth. No matter what I'm doing, it's like I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it.
0: Uh huh.
1: I did the Plan 9 movie. I was Chris Well when we shot it. I didn't write that movie. It was not my. I mean, I, if I had remaked, remade uh, Plan 9, I don't know if I would have done that exact approach. But I tried to give it my best, and I tried to serve the director's vision. You know, Because what if I was working for Ed Wood? If Ed Wood called me up and said, "Hey, I want you to make a movie," I wouldn't say, "You know, I don't think this script is tight enough." And you know, you say there quite a bit. This one character says there twenty times. Maybe you shouldn't have them do that. Yeah. If I had a chance to make a movie with Ed Wood, I would let Ed Wood make Ed Wood's movie. But you don't know who you're working with now. History may smile on somebody that you think is a total jackass.
0: Hmm. Bring your dimension to their dream, but don't take their dream away
1: or don't do it You know, if, yeah, you exactly. can't sur- if you can't serve the project then don't do it
0: did you like billy van
1: billy- oh yeah sure hilarious house of frightenstein
0: yeah man they started showing those they only showed them for like three weeks when i was still in high school and uh it was so sad because no one knew about it but i saw on a tv guide and i watched it and i thought oh my gosh this is this is amazing uh, all the different characters he played. and
1: They showed those on Saturday mornings when I was real young.
0: Okay. All right, man. Well, I didn't really let you say where people could see you. <laughs> oh,
1: yes. I guess you didn't. I'm Mr. Lobo. I have a television program that I've been doing for 16 years called Cinema Insomnia. CinemaInsomnia.com is my website. I am on a Roku channel called OSI 74, which is your home for things Weird or funny or retro or some combination of weird or funny or retro. I'm going to be in a movie called Swamp Zombies 2. I'm in the remake of Plan 9. I'm the easiest person to find on the Internet. So come find me.
0: Thanks for joining us, everybody. And we're so thankful that Mr. Lobo could actually be live with me, us, the we talk games we talk games movies crew we talk games we talk games movies yes indeed and the only thing i can say to wrap this up is time for go to bed